Welcome in to Locked On Knicks, Alex Wolf and Gavin Shaw here, and we are joined by returning guest Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. He is their lead scout and NBA draft analyst. You might know him on Twitter as at NBA Draft Was. And if you're not following him and you're at all interested in the NBA draft, you definitely should be following him because he's one of the best follows out there. Gavin, we've already talked about the top three players in this draft, a, a trio of intriguing big men. But now today we're getting into some of the best of the rest with Jonathan Wasserman. Yeah, Purdue's Jaden Ivey, maybe the most explosive guard in this draft. Uh, Jalen Duren out of Memphis. Uh, what makes him different than uh, past bigs that went in the top five? Or is he not that different? And is Jonathan Wasserman not all that high on him? Uh, who does he have the Knicks taking? You will find out in just a couple of minutes if you listen. And then some superlative questions about the rest of Wass's board. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, up. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. And we want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. We always appreciate being the, you know, the first guys to grace your eardrums in the morning. We're available on all your favorite podcast platforms and now on YouTube, where if you wouldn't mind, go on there, subscribe, drop us a couple likes. Let us know if you think we look nice on camera or not, if we got faces for radio, you know, whatever you want to say. I don't care. Just, uh, you know, drop a drop a little comment there or something and, and let us know what you think of the new platform. Uh, I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Nick's site, The Strickland, which you can find at thestrick.land. And he's Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And again, we mentioned we are joined by Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. He's their lead draft analyst and head scout. And he dropped some amazing knowledge for us. He, I feel like, always comes on and does these early primer episodes for us to get us introduced to the draft class. I'm not going to hold this up anymore. We got the best of the rest outside of the top three in Wass's lotto coming up right now. Um, Alex and I, again, just off of highlights, but we were both super into Jaden Ivey. Uh, maybe not quite the top tier athlete because no one is, but I was getting, again, just from watching five minutes of him, like some John Morant vibes. Um, seems like already, like maybe even ahead of the curve uh, relative to Morant as a shooter. Um, it seems like he would be a fantastic fit um, in transition for the Knicks with someone like Obi Toppin. Uh, what, what do you think about his game? And and it's an interesting conversation around the Knicks, right? Because obviously we're all really high on Emmanuel Quickly. We're all really high on Deuce McBride. But it seems like those two guys are like with Quickly, like there, there are questions like maybe he could eventually be that lead guard. But a lot of things have to go right there. And I think the Knicks would welcome that surefire point guard of the future. 
Yeah, so I don't see Ivy as a point guard, honestly. I see him more right, as well, uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, like um he's become a better playmaker this year, and he did it with USA basketball over the summer, where he averaged like over three assists, but he's more of like a spark of energy. It's kind of the same conversation with with McBride, but I think even McBride is further along as a playmaker. Ivy is, I mean, his his bread and butter is just explosiveness, just beating guys down the floor and you know, exploding past them from spot up position and, and getting downhill in, in the pick and roll game. He can't shoot off the dribble, which to me is a you know limits limits him right now as a score. Um and he's just not a natural facilitator, but he's shown that he could be a passer when there's you know when he attracts a, a crowd. He can he can use his gravity to get guys open shots. But again his his bread and butter is to put pressure on the rim. And use that explosiveness because yeah he could fly and he could he could soar, and uh, he's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses in the rim, and he shot much better this year. Um, but again, that off the dribble, the lack of scoring off the dribble away from the basket, no pull up game, limited floater. I think that hurts him right now. Although I talked to a scout yesterday who said Ivy's going top five, and so there's a lot to like about him and, and see him jump from his freshman year to his sophomore year, like big improvement. And so that makes you think, well, he can continue to make those big jumps and that. It's not just upside, but it's like realistic upside that he's on track to reaching. So uh, I like him a lot, but I think he's got a lot to improve on to be considered like a lead guard. Yeah, having uh, having seen what Ivy brings to the table and based off how he compares to some of the, the guards that the Knicks have and guys that they're building around, like one thing that I've noticed, and this was part of why we liked what Deuce brought in that Houston game so much, with like the even attempting a you know running into the lane put back dunk or whatever, <laughs> I think the Knicks have you know they, they've clearly prioritized things like pull up shooting um, in the last you know in the last couple drafts and in the you know obviously in free agency to mixed results like quickly I think looks really good Fournier you know they spend a bunch of money on him that doesn't seem to be working super great because they focus so much I think in on that that perimeter shooting. And, you know, the pull-up shooting and stuff like that, that they sort of forgot, like, rim pressure from guards, you know. And I don't think that they really have any guys that can do that at the moment consistently. And then we yeah. sort of saw that a little flash of it from Deuce, and it's like, oh, my God, hallelujah, you know, this is what we needed. So how well do you think that Ivy would fit on this team, you know, given his skill set? Because I really think that if the Knicks could just get one guy that doesn't play like an old dude – like, you know, quickly is great, but he plays it. He's always played like, you know, he plays more similar to Derrick Rose than he does John Morant. You know what I mean? Like in Derrick Rose is, you know, over 10 years in the NBA with bad knees and everything else, you know, but it quickly sort of plays more like him. RJ Barrett, you know, has about the verticality of like late career Vince Carter most of the time. Like <laughs> he just doesn't seem to want to jump up and, and, you know, get those big highlight dunks and that sort of thing. And those plays as much as they're just flash, like, they bring energy, they bring momentum shifts, they make statements, you know, on the court that I think the Knicks are consistently lacking that. Um, so how much do you think a guy like Ivy would would benefit the Knicks in that regard? Yeah, definitely. I mean, to get a guy who can get into the paint, I mean, I guess that's what we thought Kemba was going to do mm-hmm. um, until he was sent to the bench, <laughs> like forever. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, I mean, that would be the draw to Ivy if you're a Knicks fan. It's like a guy who can just get into the paint and make things happen and have defenses backpedaling. And like you said, McBride yesterday, like we saw something yesterday that was so simple that we've just, I feel like I didn't see it. It was like when McBride attacked and kicked it out to Taj Gibson for the corner three, like a simple play. 
but we just don't see it much from the guards. We didn't see it last year from really Peyton at all. But to have a guy who can get into the lane, that's that's going to be what Ivy does. That's that's uh, that's his signature skill and, and kind of what differentiates him. All right, uh, moving on to uh, Jalen Duran. Um, to me, at least, he seems like basically what the Knicks hope Mitchell Robinson would be by this season. And Mitchell Robinson, I mean, obviously, un- unfortunately, um, has not been that guy outside of the fourth quarter of last night's Rockets game. Every other quarter this year, he hasn't, he hasn't quite been there. Um, but I'm curious um, what the what the reasoning is on having him as a top five guy. And like, obviously, like we've seen different results from different dudes. And like, maybe these comparisons aren't fair at all. And you can tell me, but I've just seen guys like James Wiseman and to a lesser degree, someone like Jackson Hayes go in the top 10 the last few years. And, and you're looking at like what qualities a center needs to have to justify going top five at this point when rim runners and rim protectors seem to be a little bit a dime a dozen. And maybe Duran is just so good in those capacities that you say, all right, I want the best guy at those things. But, but what about his game makes you think that he's, he's worth a top five pick? Well, he's not to me. Um, yeah. You know, I have, I had Wiseman as a, I think number 12 on my board and that's pretty much where I'd have Duran right now. Um, I think the, the draw to him is like Deandre Jordan, but a better passer, like a better feel for the game kind of, um, that, that's that's really the, the selling point is that he's going to be a very good rim protector. He's putting up like outrageous shot blocking numbers and he has the body to continue doing that. He's 6'11", 250, 7'5", wingspan. So he's got the body to be a shutdown rim protector and a, a huge finisher, like a huge target around the basket. Somebody who's going to shoot 60% plus from the field. Um, you could probably get that, you know, in free agency for pretty cheap or relatively cheap, I should say. So to me, he's not a top five guy, but I think people, he's also one of the youngest guys. He's still 18. I think he'll still be 18 by draft night. So I think scouts are going to look at the body, his physical body, his age, you know, stuff that you can't teach. And that's going to translate quickly the finishing and the shot blocking and then say, okay, he's got like the next three years to just become, to, to build on the flashes of passing, you know, the short roll NBA scouts love the short roll passing, right? Where they, where he does a, a pick and roll and he catches it quickly and hits the guy in the corner and he makes a quick read in the middle of the floor. And and he's shown he could be a smart passer from the post in those short rolls. I haven't seen anything that suggests he's going to be a, a real post threat or a shooter. And so to me that automatically knocks him in my mind in, into the late lottery range outside the top five. But I think t- scouts still seem pretty intrigued by his physical tools and potential to improve his skill level for a guy who's so young. Yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. I mean, I think that there's a, you know, there is still something to be said for taking a guy that high, but it almost, it it feels to me the the rim running center archetype being early in the draft at this point almost feels like how perception has shifted on like drafting running backs high in the NFL at this point. Like, yeah, totally. it's, it's a huge risk, but if it pans out, it's great. Like DeAndre Ayton, for example, I think like a lot of people knocked that pick at the time. Of course, you'd probably still rather have Luka Doncic, but like Ayton, I think by and large has proved himself to be a max player at this point because he's figured out the right mix and he's exactly what the Suns need and he rebounds well. And, you know, he defends the rim without getting the gaudy, you know, numbers and stuff, but he does a good job of, of deterring things. And that's like huge for the Suns and why they're like one of the title favorites again this year on top of everything else that they have going for them. Um, but yeah, it, it feels like Duran and, and anybody else is just kind of like a, it, it's like a huge shot in the dark in that way. Yeah. Just comparing those two guys, like Aiden is so much better offensively than Duran mm-hmm. at this point. 
I mean, right, I think the only guy compared Duran to really is is like a better passing DeAndre Jordan, and mm. yeah, kind of like running backs, like they're they're you can kind of they're kind of replaceable. You can got it, you can get them for cheap somewhere else. So um, I I just recently wrote an article and I it wasn't supposed to be negative, but as I was writing it, I was pretty much saying like he's of all the big names, he's the most vulnerable in my mind to to slip down boards. All right, let's take our first break and talk about Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions you don't need, want, or simply forgot about. On average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel. Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just like your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. Truebill is over 2 million users and helped them save over $100 million. So don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It can save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. And we also wanted to tell you about Bet online. They have you covered all season long, more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football season continues, the march to the playoffs, Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use their promo code locked on to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts so yeah, so I, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dan, i just wanted to i wanted to introduce this next one because i want to declare war on all the parents 19 to 20 years ago that apparently had a huge a huge run on jalen and Jaden names because i feel like the last two drafts it's been nothing but jalen's and Jaden's. <laughs> uh but I, I wanted to bring up Jaden Hardy real quick too. Um, after closing off on Jalen Duran, and after we got done with Jaden Ivy, uh, but Jaden Hardy is a guy. He's playing for the the G League Ignite right now, which we saw produce two high lottery picks last year in its inaugural season, despite all the complications of COVID and everything else. And you noted in your your mock draft that he's that he's um, you know putting up stats pretty similar to what we saw out of you know, a, a Jalen Green or a Jonathan Kaminga in that setting, you know, obviously it's, we're going to have to learn how to sort of judge these kids that are playing at that level, right? Like it, obviously there's Scoot there who's killing it, but he's not available till next year. So, you know, maybe he's a special case and he might can, you know, contend for a number one overall pick, but you have, uh, you know, you have uh, um, Jaden Hardy there now doing pretty well, putting up good stats, but against grown men, you know, against guys that are trying to get back into the NBA that have been in the NBA before, as well as some of his peers, where do you stand with him? Do you think that, you know, the biggest thing is his shots just aren't going down right now. He's shooting like, I think it's sub 40% from the fields and around 30% from three. Like if he was shooting 44 and 35, do you think that he would be getting serious consideration for a top five pick right now? Yeah. Um, and he came into the year viewed as a top five pick. Like everyone expected him to be top five. I'll tell you what, he's dropped for me, not just because of the shooting, but like his delivery just looks a little slow to me. You know, I, I'm having a tougher time picturing him creating separation at the NBA level than I did when I watched him in high school. And so uh, to me, the eye test is a, is a little worrisome, even though his shots aren't falling. Like, and I still expect the top 10 pick or at least around there. 
But to me, he's fallen just because it looks like it, it takes him a while to get a shot off. It's got a little bit of a hitch. He's clearly not really a playmaker. He's a scorer. Um, and so that, again, reduces his margin for error because he's not going to add much passing. But um, I, I've, his shot's going to start falling. He's, he's too good of a shooter. I just worry about whether he's going to get his shot off easily at the NBA level. I, I, I keep seeing Dennis Smith when I'm watching him. Um, and that's, uh, you, you know, who you're talking to. That's a little worrisome. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. And, and I'm, again, we're talking about a 19-year-old in his first 10 games playing again, like he was playing crappy kids in high school. And now he's playing against like lottery picks from last year. So I, I got to give him a pass a little bit, but just my eye test, it looks a little different. Everything just looks a little bit slower with him, but this might all change when he starts making shots at a better clip and maybe my eyes will come around. <laughs> um, I'm assuming not because all these kids at the end of the day are hyper confident and it probably is the best path, best path to getting better. Um, and it's, um, I mean, you, you, you get to make money a little bit earlier, but if someone like Hardy dropped, like, let's just say 10 to 12 to 15 spots because of his Ignite season, do you think it could serve as a cautionary tale to some of these guys saying like, hey, if there's parts of your game that could get exposed, maybe you're just better off going to Duke and being a role guy for a year and, and shining in, in that position versus, I mean, having all these things highlighted at an early age. Unless you need that paycheck, like, you know, that's really what it comes down to. Because at this point, like, has anybody even watched the G League game? You know, nobody even... I don't even know where to find them. You know, it's just, there's like no exposure for the, for the G league. Obviously you get a nice check, but now with NIL, like you can make money in college too. Your games are on, go to Duke. There's a Duke game like on TV every three days. And so if suddenly that your, your stock is dropping with ignite uh, and nobody knows who you are, you're not like a a national star the way Paolo or Chet is. It's going to become less attractive. But, I mean, of course, there could be a, that family who needs that 100K or 500K, depending on who it is and what they offer, which is a ridiculous amount of money, obviously. But, uh, yeah, this is, I think, um, I think honestly, the perception of this program has taken a little bit of a hit uh, this year just because of, A, we can't, the, the games get no exposure, the players aren't playing great, and uh, it's possible that that the big names, and not just Hardy, but Dyson Daniels was a guy who's also playing with Ignite, who was a potential lottery pick. I think his stock is going to drop. And uh, and so, yeah, I, I think it's it's they're having a rough year, Ignite. Yeah, it is it is kind of weird. Like, you know, you would think that the NBA would be promoting that program a lot more. I, I feel like I feel like they haven't really, you know, that it should be a huge draw. I mean, particularly last year. You know, you had Jalen Green and Jonathan Kaminga, who were both going into the year like top five prospects, and to not even really—I just felt like they never really promoted that that much. Even when they had that that bubble, you know, I would have been pumping that, you know, advertisements for that constantly, like put ads for that, like during NBA on TNT, you know, get people watching this or whatever. And even if you're sticking to YouTube or whatever, just be like, hey, we've got the top, you know, we've got like three top prospects on this team come watch this on YouTube, you know, like people watch stuff on YouTube. Now that's like a place where people get their oh, yeah. entertainment. And it's know? like, a, it, and it's, it's cool. These are like the top, these are like big name prospects playing against like Moses Moody and Kaminga, you know, lottery picks mm-hmm. from last year. And these teams have all have good young players, like well-known names who are, who are recently lottery picks or first round picks at this. You don't, that doesn't happen. Like you don't usually get to see that to see a guy like Jaden Hardy play Moses Moody. So it's pretty cool. I, they just, yeah, they haven't marketed it. And uh, it hasn't really generated much buzz at all. 
And unfortunately, the players this year have struggled a little bit. Yeah. So circling back to the mock, uh, we saw you had Ty Ty Washington going to the Knicks and Alex and I both had the same reaction. Oh, the Kentucky connection uh, still well and alive. Um, obviously, uh, the last few years, or I shouldn't even say the last few years, essentially John Calipari's whole tenure, there, there's been a history of guards in that Kentucky system who have not necessarily been dominant in college, make it to the NBA, Devin Booker, Tyler Hero, Emmanuel Quickly, Tyrese Maxey, the list goes on and on and on, is Ty Ty Washington, and not, not that he's had a bad season by any means, but as you noted, he's, he's having to play off Savion Wheeler, who's a more experienced player, not as good of an NBA prospect. Um, is there a world where he is a higher level guy in the NBA or, or at least um, a higher volume guy in the NBA than he even is in college? So it's a little early for me to like jump the gun and say that, say yes, but yeah, he's been much better than I thought. And I'd seen him plenty before. Uh, he just, he looks like the real, uh, he, yes, he's, he's a very good candidate to become in my mind, that next Kentucky guy who was kind of like held in a straitjacket during his freshman year. And then suddenly he gets to the pros and you find out he could do all these things with the ball. And so, um, I know that there are some who who don't see it with him, but I, I don't know. I do. I, I I see him. I buying his shot, and I think he's a better creator than he gets the chance to show, both for himself and for teammates. So um, we obviously we know the Knicks connection with Kentucky, and I think at some point you have to look at this history of like all like they're always good these Kentucky guards, right? They're always better in the pros than they are in college. Like I think that's got to mean something at some point. Like you just rattled off all these guys. You know, I had Maxi number 10 on my board. I think he went like 20, 21 or something like that. I, I just couldn't believe how many teams are, are just ignoring the fact that these Kentucky guards are pretty good. And uh, to not really nitpick at the percentages and little things that go on in college, particularly when you go to a Kentucky program where everybody's a five-star guy, you know, you can't do you. You have to play within the system and your freedom is so limited. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm big on Ty Ty Washington. I have him top 10. All right, we're going to take our second break and just let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by Boost Mobile. You listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile for the power of saving money. Because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. And the power of one of America's largest 5G networks so you can do it all at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, how much more powerful will you become? Switch to Boost Mobile and find out. You'd be surprised how much some Nick's knowledge can make you powerful if you listen to it over Boost Mobile's airwaves. Get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile. Quick disclaimers, I'm going to do this as fast as someone on the radio does it. Free phone limited to new customers of one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers of coverage not available everywhere for all phones or networks. See BoostMobile.com for details. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to think who even the last like top tier guard that Kentucky had that didn't pan out in the NBA. I think maybe it was like the Harrison twins. It would be as far back as you'd have to go. I mean, they were both like top, top James ten Young. to twenty. James yeah. Young was another guy who was the seventeenth pick. Yeah, who, uh... but it's it's so few and far between. Like you said, I mean, they're just like it, so often these uh, the Kentucky guys anymore. You know, and it seems like it's getting more prevalent as the years go on, where they just they they get typecast by Calipari, you know, into like the role that they're going to play. And then once they hit the NBA and they get, you know, the, the, um, you know, like the, the training wheels taken off, so to speak, 
then they just go crazy like quickly. I also just got a shout out. I love that in your uh, in your your mini profile in the mock on Ty Ty that you said forty five point five percent on catch and shoot chances, thirty nine point four percent on dribble jumpers, and fifty two point nine percent on floaters. You clearly know the stats that matter to the Knicks scouting department based off <laughs> what they look for. <laughs> yeah, those are listen that three level stuff, the the floater game, the pull ups, shot making versatility. That's that's what counts. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I did want to, so, you know, let's take Ty Ty Washington out of the equation here and maybe, like, also take, like, the top five guys out because, you know, in this in this scenario that we're assuming that the Knicks end up in the lottery, as I said earlier, you know, there's, like, 30 years of history suggesting they're not going to move up. Uh, so let's say that they end up in that, you know, 8, 9, 10 range, and let's just remove Ty Ty from the equation there there was a couple other guys that you mentioned uh, in your mock that I thought were intriguing. Um, there's like Johnny Davis from Wisconsin, um, Kendall Brown from Baylor, who's more of a wing. I was really uh, uh, intrigued by Benedict Matherin from Arizona. But like if you were going to highlight another guy in that general range that you think would be really good on the Knicks, who would it be? And it, it could be someone that you mocked after Ty Ty Washington, too, for all intents and purposes. So I got to think once again, like eventually they got to find the point guard. I mean, mm-hmm. they keep kind of screwing up. Like, yeah, obviously Rose is, is helpful, but a guy who could play 30 minutes a game, we could build with for the future. And there's a couple of them who are going to be there in that late lottery range. Um, Gene Montero, who's playing with overtime elite, who is, I'm telling you, he's the real deal. He's really exciting. Uh, a big time shot creator, shifty, um, Exciting playmaker, just a fun guy out there. Uh, on the flip side, he's a little bit wild and limited defensively. But we were talking before about a guy who can like get into the lane and make things happen. Like Montero is the guy, and then Kennedy Chandler from Tennessee, who is small. He's six foot, um, but he's got a six five wingspan, which helps compensate. And he's just like your classic true, true point guard, like your your Chris Paul type. I'm not comparing him to Chris Paul, but like that, just like perfect style of play of like that perfect blend of playmaking. Uh, passing IQ and and scoring a guy who could just can totally control the game for you. And um, to me, if if you're valuing point guard traits and skills, like he has them all, he just happens to be six foot, but he's also shooting like a really good percentage around the basket. He's very crafty. He finds ways to kind of compensate for the fact that he's only six foot, one seventy. And so I, I guarantee you that come draft time, assuming the Knicks have a pick in that you know late lottery range, mid first round or whatever it is. Chandler is going to be a name linked to the Knicks throughout the whole process. Like write that down. I guarantee that's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I, I want to finish up with some uh, rapid fire questions. Um, who would you say um, outside of the top 10, maybe even outside of the lottery, like who is the guy on this draft that you're highest on relative to consensus? I mean, maybe miles McBride was that person last year. Yeah. I mean, probably so. Uh, all right. I'll go AJ Griffin on Duke who he started the year, I think top five for me. And Duke is loaded. He came and Griffin was injured all last year. Didn't play. I know this is rapid fire. I'm trying. I'll try and. No, no, no. I think it's my time to more rapid. Um, but um, he didn't play at all. He was like, I had to write an article a couple of years ago about potential number one overall picks who are like, you know, 16, 17 years old. I put Griffin in there. This was two years ago. Then he didn't play last year, COVID injuries. And then this year he got hurt in pre in uh, preseason. And Duke is loaded. So they didn't have to play him a lot. He's playing 12 minutes a game. But the other day he came out 
in 19 minutes, scored 22 points, or scored 19 points in 22 minutes. He's 6'6", 220, a big-time shot maker. Like he's He might slip in the draft because he's just all potential and no production because he's not going to get the opportunity to Duke. But he's probably one of the top five most talented guys in the draft. And I think if you can get him in the 20s or, or outs, even outside the lottery in this draft, that's just like huge value. So how I, – I think that we've all been – well, okay, I, I say we all. Maybe you haven't been. But I've been at least sort of surprised by how deep the 2020 draft was after that was – and also how much like potential star power there was in that draft after it being sort of, you know – typecast as this like you know uh there's gonna be there's some talent in this draft but like we don't know if there's gonna be like true stars you know it mostly seems like it's gonna be deep for like role players whatever turned out there was like a pretty good amount of star power at the top of that draft it seems like with edwards lamello working out as well as they have obviously the knicks found one of the gems and quickly and then there's halliburton that sort of thing and then 2021 i think we could pretty safely say like the top part of the draft was pretty much every bit as good as expected. You know, we see Mobley and Cade and all these guys having such great rookie seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Jalen Green, you know, even even doing pretty well in Houston before getting hurt, you know, just all these great performances. So that draft has proved to be pretty uh, stacked as well. W- what do you think that the elite range in the top of this draft consists of, like before the drop-off? I feel like every single draft you say, oh, this is an X-player draft. You sort of alluded to earlier, you know, that maybe you think this is more like a three-player draft with those three top bigs at the top before there's a drop-off. Would you say that there's, I like, are there sort of like tiers in this draft, like where you think like that, uh, you know, Chet and Paolo um, and uh, uh, Jabari are like in the top top tier here, and then there's a big drop-off before you get to the Jadens and Jalens of the world uh, <laughs> and the rest of them. You know, where where would you say that the sort of lines in the sand are drawn with this draft and how would you compare it to like the 2020 and 2021 classes? All right. Yeah. So definitely the top tier is what I said before, Chet, Paolo and Jabari. And then there's a gap. And then right after that, whether you put in four or five, Jaden Ivy is like the next guy is one of the next guys for everybody. Um, and then Duran is, is in that mix too. And then it kind of is like a total, a total mess. You know, it could be, it could be, you know, I've, Benedict Math, I know Matherin is like, you know, in the late teens for another scout. You could do that. I think it just is totally open after five. And there's a big group of guys, and you could just read the mock draft. You know, realistically, I could have put them in any order. It, it, this early, I'm just kind of guessing. Right now, you're just kind of putting the tiers together. But uh, yeah, outside, it, it's a total, like Johnny Davis, like to some, he's like a potential first rounder. I talked to a scout yesterday who said he's probably going to be a top 10 pick. You know, it's right now it's just a little early to have definitive tiers, but there's certainly the top one. And then Jaden Ivey is in the, whatever next tier, however many guys are in it, Jaden Ivey is in it. And then it's totally, totally open. And how do we compare it to last year's? Like, I don't think, listen, I didn't think Edwards was going to be as good as he was so fast. Um, Edwards, LaMelo, those guys are, those guys are studs. Mobley, stud, Cade, stud i think jalen green is i'm a little worried about him um you know with bigs like this draft is going to be bigs i'm always i'm always curious how quickly it's going to translate like there's nothing that suggested to me that mobley was going to translate so fast right you would have suggested okay he needs to get his shot better he needs to improve his body he wasn't a very good post scorer last year so like 
but he's like a, a, a star type of impact player. It's like, it's, how do you predict that? Um, so I think it really comes down to how fast some of these guys are going to contribute. And Chet, I, I could see him like same thing I thought about Mobley. Like, how is Chet going to come in like right away at 195 pounds and make like a big impact? Uh, Paolo, I think without a three point shot, I think it's going to take him time to be a little bit efficient. Jabari Smith is 18 years old. Like, I don't know. These guys have big ceilings. It's hard to guess how they're going to compare to Mobley, how they're going to compare to Edwards. I think right now the only thing we can try and think about is how quickly it's going to happen. Uh, maybe someone in the second round, but is there is there like a shooter in this draft you really love? Because I've noticed the last few drafts, like there's always like that one guy that sort of emerges out of nowhere and, and becomes like an immediate contributor just because they're they're elite in that one capacity. Yeah, I mean, um, Abaji from Kansas, O'Shea Abaji is somebody who's shooting 40% plus from downtown. He's just gotten better each year. And uh, he just gives you those three and D vibes. Guy can come in right away, make shots and defend. And you just say, like, don't do anything else. Just, like, get out and transition, make your open shots, defend, and you'll play 20 minutes a game as a rookie. And using the eye test on his shot this year, it looks so smooth. And, you know, one of those guys where every time it leaves his fingers, he kind of expected to drop. So uh, I guess we'll end, <laughs> not to end on a negative note, but uh, so let's maybe exclude Duran from this because, it, it, like, I think it's pretty safe to say that you're a little lower on him than than most people are. Is there another player that you find that you're lower on than consensus and have more concerns about than than some of your contemporaries so far? Uh, Jaden Hardy, I know we talked about him, but he's mm-hmm. definitely somebody I'm I'm lower on. Uh, I'm just going to move down the board here. Uh, Caleb Houston from Michigan is a freshman who I had top 10 coming in, um, and now I'm just – kind of wondering why I would still have him top 10 and he's a three and D six, eight forward, but um, I'm not just, I'm just not convinced that he's good enough in any one area at this point to get excited about. And, you know, Abaji wasn't either as a freshman and then three years go by and suddenly he's a new player. Like as somebody who I expect to enter the draft right now, uh, I'm just a little bit lower on, on Caleb Houston from Michigan than I was coming in. All right. So on that note, we will uh, wrap this up. Jonathan Wasserman of Bleacher Report. Um, you put out a mock draft just a couple of days ago, so everyone should go check that out. But I know you mentioned another piece. Is there anything on the docket um, that you, you can share with people that they can look forward to? Yeah, my top 50 uh, big board coming out next week and some other stuff. But I'm imagining the top 50 big board is what will interest people the most. All right. Well, he's he's dealing with a very young baby. He is <laughs> grinding out draft stuff way ahead of time. We, we noted it, but it feels like at this point, it, it truly is a, a year long pursuit. The cycles never seem to end. But uh, John, you do you do a good of a, a, as good of a job as anyone, if not better. So really appreciate you taking the time and joining us. All right, fellas. Thanks a lot for the time. All right. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Remember to subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. Leave us a five-star review. Really appreciate it. We'll talk to you all soon. Until next time, be good. Peace out.